0: So you know New York, you need New York, you know you need Unique New York, and you certainly know it for this very special film. Hi, Beth. Hi, Sam.
1: Hi. How you doing?
0: I'm I'm well. What were we talking about before? Oh, we were I trying to we were greet the folks before. out there and, and yeah. tell them what we're doing. Yeah. You were going to
1: bring up the meaning <laughs> of this very special month.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, back in 19, <laughs> July of 1981, a beloved and very special and stylized kind of guy. And all of his films about are stylized. Man About Town, John Carpenter released Escape from New York. And there were a lot of firsts with this film. He had some folks that he had worked with in Halloween, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance, yes. and uh, who else was in Halloween? Nick Castle, who played Michael Myers himself and co-wrote Escape from New York with John Carpenter, which I thought was kind of cool. And some gal
1: named Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Do you know when I first heard that, I I thought, who is that? Is it Sigourney Weaver? Because she has a certain, they have a a similar vocal cadence. And I thought that would be very cool. But of course it's Jamie Lee.
1: Yes, of course
0: it is. And sounding her most polished, and this is a crazy low-budget film. And he got who? Which studio behind him? I, I think it was called uh, Avco, right? Avco Embassy Pictures. Yeah. And and John Carpenter had been working on this script. He was disillusioned during the Nixon years and and that whole Watergate thing of which we spoke uh, months ago, right? But the studio said too dark. You can't go attacking the POTUS right now. But that was bullshit because after the success of Halloween, they said green light. Go ahead. Make that escape to, from New York film and and make it dark and have the president abducted.
1: All that good fun stuff. We we, we should introduce ourselves.
0: <laughs> oh oh! Don't people know who we are when they click?
1: Collect- <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to the Celluloid Pudding Podcast. I'm your host Beth, and joining me is the lovely, ebullient, vivacious, bubbly, warm, copacetic Peter Graves. He's joining me tonight. <laughs> Joe Lieberman and Joanne Woodward. <laughs> and Susan Sheridan
0: too, playing yes. bass. All right. Before, before uh, <laughs> the crazies hit her. This film is beloved. It's I think maybe your average youngster, let's let's just call them what they are. Your average um, 20-year-old might look at this film and go, Oh my God, it's so primitive in the 80s. But it got fine reviews when it came out both from the critics and the audiences. It was made for something like $6 million, which was big money to John Carpenter back in the day. He'd been on a shoestring, and that kind of is a shoestring by today's standards. But the film grossed some 24.2 or something in the box. I don't know how much money made. My theme
1: this year, apparently, for this podcast <laughs> is, Beth is finally watching movies that she should have watched from, like, yeah. years and years ago. And I had not seen Escape from New York. and. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was one of those movies that everybody talked about back
0: in the day when we were just kids. Yeah. And and also, this is a Kurt Russell film. Yeah. It's a John Carpenter film featuring Kurt Russell in his first breakout from Disney role. And he'd been the good boy and, you know, the Disney boy for so long. And this was his first kind of badass role. And he was going to play it for all it was worth. I know a few others were considered for the role. Tommy Lee Jones... The studios wanted Charles Bronson, who was in yeah. the '60s or something, and during the, that time, wrong choice completely. Yeah, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell had worked together on a, I guess, a TV presentation of the Elvis story, and I can see Kurt Russell he, playing that. I've never seen it, but I could.
1: I wanted to it. interject. People, uh, when and I was today years old, actually yesterday or two days ago, yeah. yeah, years old, when I I did not know that was a John Carpenter project, the Elvis tv story i have never seen it i didn't it, know
0: and i didn't know either i didn't know he dabbled in it was television. like
1: a, it was like a big deal it was like a two-night miniseries type thing yeah. for elvis there was a lot of buzz because russell was coming out of that disney thing yeah and a lot of people were like kurt russell as elvis presley and I, they people were ready to pan that little miniseries thing you were ready to jump on it with knives and stab well, it. Well, death. the Elvis and they,
0: fans are, you know, they're committed. Yeah,
1: it got very good reviews, yeah. and he got great reviews. Kurt Russell did, and I think that was the really the first sort of chipping away that Disney computer wore tennis shoes veneer.
0: That, now, and, now I haven't seen. Have you seen this TV treatment of Elvis? I've not, so I don't know how yes. far they get into yeah. the dark side of Elvis and and all that and and what the, it wound up ratings, being. Uh, you know, was.
1: sort of appointment television. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember it got good ratings, and I remember we were, you know, my family was talking about it, and I think I, we went over to my grandmother's and watched both nights.
0: I just wondered what the year was, and also if there was nuance for the dark side of Elvis, which I don't know if people were ready for. Yeah, I NBA. think. It, yeah, I mean, how I when did he die? Did. Right, that was. Pretty it was pretty close to yeah.
1: his death. I haven't seen it, except for when it was on television. Yeah, And I believe it dealt a little bit more with the Colonel Parker issue. To me, Kurt Russell's portrayal of Elvis was sort of the definite, you know, I, yeah. I like, I, I enjoyed the best. I can
0: see him doing that. The man has and fine hair. He really does. He has fabulous hair. He, he does the um, Charlie's Angels thoughts. flip uh, throughout this
1: film, doesn't he? I I had many thoughts about the hair and how you know this is in the early '80s and really Kurt Russell running through the grungy which which was actually St Louis Missouri running through the streets the wetted down streets. Yeah, uh, with that hair flying. Was Let's probably...
0: explain to our broader audience the wetting down <laughs> of the streets. It just makes it look cooler and everything more shiny and mm-hmm. reflective. And and I believe all except for the for one particular scene where they shot on location on Liberty Island, all other scenes oh, we're... were shot at night. No day yeah, for we're night jumping, shooting. Jumping, you oh. jumping all around. Oh, okay. I just well, you mentioned <laughs> the wet down streets, <laughs> and what are people thinking? Well, people are just kind in of like babbling. Or
1: John Carpenter and Kurt Russell are a great place to start. He was determined that he wanted Kurt Russell. I think it all kind of came together really. If you think about it, you're looking at maybe 18 months, maybe of where it's all sort of coming together for Kurt Russell. This movie does change the trajectory of his career. I've forgotten all the movies that Kurt Russell's been in and his has turned in incredible performances. So he's the real deal.
0: He just keeps going and has so much range.
1: I mean, he's um, like a James Conn, like a Sean Connery. Long, successful careers. And yeah, every actor is going to turn in a couple of clunkers or why'd you do that? But overall, he's had a lot of box office success, even with something quirky and, and hokey like Overboard. Yeah. With his, his partner, Goldie yeah. Hawn. Yeah.
0: I don't even know if they're really married. Yeah. I've always heard that they just didn't need that. They just. Just shacking up. <laughs> shacking up and <insane. laughs> sin. I love the couple. Kind of reminds me of Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman in their yes. steadiness and, and love for very, one another. Very steady. I don't know them personally, Beth, so I don't know why I'm saying that. Never been invited no, to their um, house for dinner. I
1: remember really. there was some sort, it was sort of. You know, tabloid fodder when their relationship started and it went on and on for a while. Yeah. I remember, you know, you'd see that at the checkout.
0: Yeah, National Enquirer. My
1: grandmother would always buy that National Enquirer or the Globe or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now
0: and, the regular you know, news is that because so, we're looking at UFOs a... in Congress. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis's bat baby Maybe. finally discovered. We want
1: a congressional committee on... The uh, the fact that Elvis is an alien and he's still alive. I was chuckling before when you brought it up the congressional hearings, and now oh, it's shit. not as funny anymore. Did you bring up aliens? Oh, oh, I don't oh
0: the, you mean no. Congress now running Congress with that now as, as a waste of our fucking time in this country. <laughs> to what? To what? To what end? Oh, and I, really? it was and funny what would because... be the motivation of these types? What are they calling it? They're to not say UFO U A O or something. I don't know, unidentified I, aerial objects. So they don't sound crazy, but come on. It was funny today because
1: well, I asked Veronica this evening. I said, "You know that's bullshit, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I do." Okay. But we but our her other mommy, Veronica has two mommies. Um <laughs> when we were talking about it on the phone earlier today. Yeah. Like at the same time that we were talking about it Yeah. Donna and Donna never texts me during work. Just uh, never. Yeah. And then she linked the hearing (laughs) on the aliens.
0: Oh, no. But but I did the same. I well, I called you because I got that. Breaking news. BBC. Right. I I admire BBC and uh, congressional (laughs) hearing. And this man testifying about UFOs. What is this a joke? Is it the onion? No, I clicked on. for maybe 30 seconds was all I could really take, although I should watch this absurdity just just for future material for I don't know what.
1: I'm not watching but, any.
0: Well, I don't yeah. know. Some, some great books might come out. Some great <laughs> ideas.
1: Oh, God. It's oh. it's just,
0: what did I say to you? I said, it's
1: you know what it is. It's to demonstrate that they are actually doing something, but they're not. They're holding these hearings on aliens. But... What they're doing in reality is they're taking their thumb and they're shoving it way up their ass yes. <laughs> and really doing nothing. But they're doing a great job at distracting from the fact that they just have their thumb up their asses. Anything uh, to deflect, distract. Whatever, and never mind women's
0: rights because suddenly we're going to believe in UFOs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That, uh, that was the point you made that I mm-hmm. I, I was like, like, that's it in a nutshell. We're going to focus on aliens bullshit committee hearing on aliens when we're you know what we're really doing is we're robbing you blind and we're taking away your individual rights and it was rights, bad so. acting but we're going to talk about good acting like yes kurt russell well, in this well film.
0: the funny thing about escape from new york is they are good actors but they also act over the top they, they evolve it well lee van cleef is a great actor <laughs> yes how they wrote um, him
1: literally last uh, year. donald pleasance in his day was a pretty good actor. Have Kurt Russell's just sort of cutting his teeth and breaking the mold, right? Yeah. yeah. But he becomes, like like I said earlier, his trajectory, just com- his whole future changes from this yeah. film. And then Carpenter goes on and makes
0: incredible movies after Halloween and, and this film. And he's famous for composing <laughs> his own music, which is retro future. That's how I think yes. of Carpenter's music, retro future and suspense.
1: Uh, let's talk about the principles. So John Carpenter, uh, written and directed... Mm-hmm. By John Carpenter and Nick Castle, who played at Mike one Myers in Halloween. And we already mentioned Donald Pleasance, who mm-hmm. was also in Halloween. We mentioned Lee Van from the Spaghetti Western. fame. I, I think and he did
0: the few dollars more. Uh, was it a trilogy? And, I believe so. Uh, Adrian Barbeau is in it at the peak of her popularity, and and John Carpenter was married to Adrian Barbeau at the time, and he wrote that part. Uh, her character's name is Maggie, for her specifically.
1: Tom, Tom Atkins, who plays Remy, who's yes. sort of the number two to Hawk, Lee Van Cleef's character, Hawk. Yeah. Tom Atkins was actually in uh, Halloween season of The Witch, which was Halloween 3. And Susan Hubley makes a very brief appearance. And she, she also starred as Priscilla Presley in the Elvis film.
0: Who else do we have? We have Frank Doubleday playing a uh, the villain. Well, we don't really have a hero. We have an anti-hero in Kurt Russell's character. Snake bliskin. Snake, Plitzkin. Plitzkin. Snake Plitzkin, Male prostitute. And um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the director was married to uh, we don't see many females. There's a pretty brutal looking rape scene though. Do you remember? That was that? weird. That Did, was, was disturbing. Was it a woman? Well, Was it a woman? I thought it was. Everyone is sort of New way. It's very dark in this. We, yeah, yeah,
1: we we can talk about it when we when we go through the sequence of the film. But for the special effects, Cameron went to good old Roger Corman's. That's James Cameron, New World folks. Pictures, and uh, Roger Corman's uh, New World Pictures, and they got some of their special effects
0: people, and one of them happened to be none other than who's Sam, James Cameron, uh, just working the grind. Working in, in FX for, for Corman's New World Pictures, uh, where a lot of fine directors, Scorsese, Coppola, who else? Oh, uh, some dues.
1: Joe Dante, there, there's, there's a yeah, bunch. Jonathan Demet. Of... And,
0: uh, and, and he did a yeah. fine job, I think. I think he kind of made the look of the film in terms of the special effects.
1: He and who was who the other uh, camera guy, the camera
0: work? Oh, I have Dean either Cuddly or Cudry. We we don't know by my handwriting. Uh, let card. me say here.
1: Cuddly? is it cuddly? Hold on. Not
0: like cuddles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can actually look this up. Care bear. Cuddly like a cuddly care bear. Gold fire mm-hmm. over Leningrad. Here here it is. It's in mm-hmm. um oh is this dinner. Is G- that the
0: tie-in book or?
1: no? It's a blog post. We are the The title is called Blog post from wearethemutants.com. We are the mutants sifting the disregarded remains of the old world. Gol- <laughs> Gulf fire over Leningrad. We'll explain what Gulf fire is yeah. here shortly. Yeah. Uh, the glider navigation sequence in Escape from New York, 1981, and this was posted in 2017.
0: Well, we haven't it done goes that on. Uh, in a nutshell bit, so people no. might understand what that. But but yes, the special effects the, of of the, flying. The spec-
1: yeah, the camera work, though, and the special effects were, he, they cite here, John C. Wash, mm-hmm. Mark Stetson, Hoyt Yateman, uh, Scott Squires, et al., 1981, and it was okay. a visual effect. And Cameron was doing the mats, the those skylines of New York that you yeah. you
0: see. In um, camera with a new technique, and the mats were done differently from the the miniature Manhattan that was created because uh, nothing was shot on scene it would all look too wonderful and this had to have an armageddon kind of look so they sent somebody out for an all expenses paid scouting tour and they came up with of all places saint louis missouri right that was on the water right so you got to have that oh saint louis yeah Yeah. um but but you know you needed certain features to replicate new york and all these burn buildings had been burned out and John Carpenter also shot at night. So, and they just sort of pillaged junkyards and things to throw in the way of of, of what what is essentially a penal colony. We haven't gotten to the plot yet, but um, yeah, we'll
1: get to the plot here shortly. Yeah. But we uh, want we wanted to definitely acknowledge Roger Corman and New World Pictures and just yeah. how much talent moved through there in the you know the the late sixty. Well. Would have Been 50s, 60s, 70s, right? I don't know yeah. how long New World Pictures, but Roger yeah. Corman had a huge influence on yeah on these on this generation of talent. Do
0: do that digging, folks, because it's fascinating. And he's not just some B movie phenom. He he helped a lot of folks up step up for a new wave of and new generation of directors.
1: I had I had said to you, Sam, that it's like Roger Corman to me is sort of what Ed, I guess what Ed Wood dreamed he he could be one day. Yeah yeah
0: so just just some I, I was mentioning that there are no heroes in this film it's it's a dystopian future and it's kind mm-hmm. of funny I've, i i uh, read one article forgive my lack of a reverence but we're given a I, I guess john carpenter had some extra footage because our our anti-hero kurt russell goes into this state penitentiary or country penitentiary which is the island of manhattan because he he was a war hero turned federal bank robber. And Carpenter <laughs> did shoot those scenes, showed them to a test audience, and they were completely confused because he apparently didn't flesh out that, hey, Manhattan has been turned into this walled in penal colony. And here's this I, I guess it was a, a little disjointed. So he cut it all together and added that yeah. opening which is an explanation of what happened in the near future. 1988, crime uh, was multiplied 400 times. Something like 400%. 400%. And then we skip ahead to 1997. And then in big letters on the screen, it says, now. <laughs> and, and I guess in, <laughs> if you were in 1981, that seemed like the future. I don't know. Like way into well, the Three years away from the millennium. So yes. yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. We, we never thought we'd see it that, right? That's way in the future. If you're in 1981, and uh, you have two different looks going on in the film, you have a, a kind of imperialist United States. We're given to understand that some sort of big summit is going to take place, and the American president, played by John Pleasant, uh, Donald Pleasant. Uh, do, sorry, t- John. Too many Johns. John Pleasant. Uh, His Donald brother. Pleasant, who is not qualified. <laughs> To be POTUS, uh, being British, but uh, they just swept that under the rug.
1: Oh, and there's a funny story behind that too. Yeah, <laughs> there's a very funny story behind that.
0: Yeah, um, uh, yeah, he created a whole backstory, didn't he? Yeah,
1: he said something Thatcher Margaret.
0: Was Margaret Thatcher, the the love child of Reagan and, and Thatcher, and she was <laughs> going to dominate the world, and America turned to the colonies, uh, from being a colonial, you know, renegade to back to the to Britain. So that would, I don't know, eliminate the problem of citizenship as a requirement oh. for POTUS. Yeah. It was crazy. And, and, and it was kooky. I did read that John Carpenter said it took Donald a little while to, to realize there was a lot of tongue in cheek and not to take it that seriously because he was really getting into character with a backstory and Thatcher and Reagan. And, um, and it's interesting because Reagan was, what, 81 to 89? And so... That was a very different vibe with Reaganomics and neoliberalism and all of the things that, that benefit a certain group of people that don't benefit everyone else. So I, I thought it was a little bit – or, or quite a bit of, ahead of its time in calling this state penitentiary an imperialist invention to benefit the rich.
2: Well, it's a federal any-
0: penitentiary. We a federal saying- penitentiary. Yeah. 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 But but everyone in the country goes there yes, <laughs> instead of And I don't know apparently, how much that's... real estate we have in Manhattan. It'd be a
1: lot, but we we can get into the plot. That's how it opens up and there the voiceover is like you said isn't isn't it uh well the voiceover do, do we get the narrative voice?
0: Yes. Um we get some uh, some very sort of retro tron looking diagrams showing the Island of Manhattan and a voiceover by Jamie Lee Curtis explaining the dimensions of the things and that there are certain bridges that are mined and uh, certain waterways that are also mined. And just to show how serious they they take this, one of the opening scenes depicts two prisoners trying to row to the, I don't know what, the other side of, of what's the main yeah. waterway around? Well, it
1: would have been like, New Jer- well, New Jersey on
0: one side and then New York yeah. on the other. and Yeah. yeah. So, so 50 foot. Walls around the thing, and the police force basically looking like checkpoint Charlie, and uh, you know, you, you don't cross the wall. And uh, yeah, they're blown out of the water. They're given fifteen seconds to comply. It looked to me like they were trying to. You turn need to around, turn around. <laughs> you have, have ten seconds, seconds to turn around, sec- and it looked like they were turned around, but they got blown out of the water. So we know right away that that they're not going to take. There's one rule: you go in, you never come out. We're, we're exactly. assured by Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah, and I think part of the part of the confusion too with with those test audiences, uh, what has happened in this future is there's been World War Three. Yes, and and Snake Bliskin, our antihero, yeah, was a highly decorated uh, special forces dude. Yeah, and he goes back through his dot. We'll get to that in a second, yeah. but he's a badass. You're you're kind of like okay, he's a Skilled war hero can fly badass, anything, but then, and, yeah. But then you have to think where, where you're, I guess, the audience is filling in the gaps in their brain is okay, he's gone from war hero to robbing a bank, so how are we treating our war heroes when they return? Is yes. to but give a you an idea, audience like,
0: would obviously be a little bit bewildered without some Context, I think John you yeah. realize. but you yeah. you actually have two disillusioned war heroes, don't you? One on either side of uh, that wall, the Lee Van Cleef yes. character, and then the Kurt Russell character, who who know each other from from days of yore. And um, so the deal is, uh, Air Force One is cruising along, and it's overtaken <laughs> by terrorists. And uh, is, it, it, it's a little freaky if you think about it, because they deliberately crash Air Force One into Manhattan. You see a lot of the skyline depicting the Twin Towers. And uh, that it, is, um
1: yeah, I was going to say, we should mention something about the fact that uh, the oh, the graphics, but they're not traditionally yeah, computer graphics in the way we understand it. But line graphics, yeah, the silhouetted, uh, New York City, and you you see the Twin Towers more than a few times,
0: and that it is a weird feeling seeing that. It, it is, and, and the idea that they deliberately crashed the plane there. And also, our anti-hero Kurt Russell has to land atop the one of the uh, World Trade Center towers in a glider, which... Okay. Uh, we have to suspend disbelief an awful lot in this film. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we have a device in this film whereby Kurt Russell's character, Snake, is the only man who can get the president out. And the president is needed to bring world peace because they're on the verge of, what, World War Four by this time? I'm not sure um, what the implication there is.
1: Well, the, the war hasn't stopped, apparently. Okay. Because okay. there's that, yeah, let's, let's start at the top where... You get a, a view of the they, you get that narrative background, and yeah. then they, you see them bringing in prisoners. You see Tom Atkins' character, Remy, walking around. Everyone's throwing a cigarette in their mouth and looking very tense. And they bring in the Kurt Russell, you know, Snake Plissken, and he's just yes. you know got his jaw sticking out like he's very, got this
0: the sulky youth thing going on big time. Yeah, and beautiful <laughs> hair, outstanding hair.
1: So he's brought in to for processing. Oh.
0: Oh, the, the one line. Yes. you got to explain that. It, it, do you mean the uh, choice that the prisoners have? <laughs> yes, the choice.
1: The, the next departure will be in two hours. And then, they, and then the voice there's goes, a voice
0: that says, uh, you have the option of terminating and being cremated on the spot. Please let your local guard know which option you'd like to choose. Uh, either uh, go on to the, this forever penal colony or... Uh, be terminated and cremated on the spot
1: which kind of goes back to you know what you're saying when they're brought to the island of manhattan in this federal penitentiary they're they're not coming out you're to give you a that line right there which i thought was rather clever yeah lets you know that the stakes are really really high yeah you go in there and you're you're uh it's going to be literally dog eat dog to survive
0: And so uh, we presume the uh, Bob Hawke, who is the Lee Van Cleef character, police commissioner. It seemed like he'd be higher up than police commissioner. But everything is called United States Police Force re- regarding right. this facility. And um, he knows Snake and summons him into his office and gives him this proposal. You can get a full presidential pardon if you get the president out of that Manhattan penal colony uh, alive. Yeah. Or dead. He I, needs the tape mostly, which I never understood yeah. in the whole film. Like, didn't you make a copy, or isn't there a hard copy of that? What is that?
1: That was just so weird. The, the the they switch from processing snake, and then this is how bad this is for these people. Yeah. To Tom Atkins walking around with a cigarette dangling out of he's just constantly shuffling. There's a, <laughs> a lot cigarette. of
0: s- slow walking and <laughs> yeah,
1: very and, tense. And and then. We have a, sir. We've had a distress call from Code name David fourteen. David fourteen. What is that? <laughs> and um, and then you see the the Star Trek panel of light bulbs <laughs> in the background. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we, I, was, I'm not I'm not trying to knock it, but some no, of the stuff. No, it seemed to have heft because you knew it was cardboard or whatever. So at least uh, yeah. the special FX folks did seem to give it some heft. We we have a cut to Air Force One, and they great. know it's going to go down. And uh, so the president, Donald Pleasance, has to get to the pod. There's an escape pod, big red egg looking thing. And I guess it's going to be ejected and is what, impact proof? I don't know. How is that? How does that work?
1: What what does he say? He's like, uh, God, it's a great line. May God save me. And good luck to
0: So, yeah, yeah, it's it's very self serving. <laughs> this this week and an awful. Uh, may God precedent. save
1: me and good luck to you. All. Uh, see all it 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 wasn't even yeah. good luck to you all. It was really it was much worse than that.
0: It it was. I wish I had the precise line, but they're all going to perish. There's no way out of this. <laughs> His last, last words are "God preserve me, God save me, something. God save and me." Later, and, Gator. Yeah. <laughs> So into his pot he goes, and we don't see how that happens, and that's probably a wise choice because how do you, on that budget. So Snake is taken to uh, sort of the medic's room, right? A, a hospital, a, a clinic. How, how well, do you describe I, this? I wanted to ask you, um,
1: because shortly after the, the plane goes down, that's when we see that great, I, I thought it was some of the best acting in the, in the whole film was this sort of office tete tete between van cleef and kurt russell yes yes you know he's got his that was the best
0: acting i agree with you
1: and and they're sort of head-to-head there and lee van cleef's character hawk is giving him the proposal and kurt russell doesn't take his eyes off him and he's just pulling you know stealing the cigarette off Bye. the table
0: and lighting. <laughs> wait wait i have to inject some trivia here Kurt Russell was really keen to create a device that was a self-lighting cigarette, and John Carpenter was like, "All right, if you want one, but they couldn't figure it out." So, so he did do that nifty. He he grabs a cigarette, he's in cuffs, and he takes a match, and in one fell swoop, lights the match and the cigarette. Probably it was eighty takes or something to get it that smooth. But um, he
1: looks so. He looked so not the you know not the smoking. We're not in eighty one. We can say looks, you know. in eighty one. It looked pretty cool and badass. Yeah. You had read, too, that uh, Carpenter let them sort of develop their characters, right? So yes. Pleasance had the whole backstory, and then Russell, Russell's look was was Kurt Russell's idea, yes. too, right? Yes.
0: Uh, at first, he was just going to be in fatigues and fatigue boots and that sort of thing. But he arrived on set with these sort of city urban cowboy boots, I don't know, and <laughs> knee pads that look like the kind you use for gardening. And white camo up top, I th- or or somewhere pants, um, because he was in Siberia, so that w- that would make sense. Leather jacket, and he wore an eye patch, and and that was not John Carpenter's idea. Yeah, Kurt Russell was- said, "Wouldn't it be cool if you wore an eye patch?" And John Carpenter said, "Yeah, let's do that." So it was all very, you know, John Carpenter just said, "Go for it" for his actors. I thought that was
1: really cool that um, he even said he's like, "Wait." Nobody's nobody's worn an eye patch since the duke meaning John yeah, Wayne and, yeah. and he even cited the movie so, yeah. hey,
0: people haven't seen uh, an anti-hero in an eyepatch for a while. So, yeah, let's go. We're uh, an eye and, patch. and actually, it's, it's appropriate for this film because I, I did read that many people consider this a Western sort of placed in an urban post-apocalyptic setting. But basically a Western. And then you've got Lee, Lee Van Cleef in there kind of reminding you of the spaghettis. And also uh, our main character, Kurt Russell, puts on a pretty good Clint Eastwood impersonation throughout the thing.
1: Yeah, he kind of does. He, he kind a, of talks very, like this,
0: you know, and whispering. and What do you like, want? The president yeah. of what? <laughs> <laughs> just call me Snake. So every 17-year-old probably said, I'm doing that at home. I'm so doing that to my mother and I'm just going to make her crazy.
1: What was the name of the actor who played uh, Duke's secondhand man there? Um,
0: that was Rom- Romero, and obviously Carpenter hat tip to George Romero, and that was played by Frank Doubleday, and he was told to you know set up his look, and it looks very um, cyberpunk, but uh, I guess you can't yeah. really say that. And uh, who's the guy who did Neuromancer? Uh, oh, Gibson wow. William Gibson said that he was directly inspired by this guy to write that basically the book that spawned all of that that genre of science fiction.
1: And we're completely forgetting uh, who plays the Duke, but we'll mention it when we get there because yes, that, that's yes, huge, huge star. R- Russell said this that,
0: that the guy who plays Romero, Frank Doubleday, basically set the tone for the whole film. He he looks super post punk, not the King Street London punk, uh, Sid and Nancy punk, but but the sort of quaffed, straight up hair and the makeup yeah. more new wave, I'd say than than hard punk, right?
1: Yeah, I think you make a pretty interesting distinction. When when we talk about new wave, it, it's not all Malibu colors and turquoise. And new wave early on had a real edginess to it. Real street. It, it to was it. not the. It was not the leather. I mean, there was there was some leather, but there it was really they were really into almost like you said street. But I always looked at it like a reflection of like. Neon. Yeah. You know, the colors that were were used as flourishes really in that in that uniform, right? Yeah. <laughs> versus, you know, the, the really loud, uh, bright, vibrant, you know, big colors and uh yeah. palettes of the late 80s versus yeah.
0: this early, early 80s look. Yeah. And I suppose there were different camps, like, did you sell out for the ads and this look, or are you real? new wave and getting down and grungy although grunge is a whole other thing right so we shouldn't yeah, get too confusing yeah. but anyhow russell felt and and also uh carpenter that that he did a fantastic job he he somehow carpenter didn't, didn't know how he got his hair to stand on in like that but and he's very yeah, cat-like really cool. and delivers his lines in in such a wonderfully sinister way when very the
1: metrosexual uh, too yeah i thought yeah. yeah very you know a little bit little androgynous, metrosexual. um, And
0: and, and if we uh, think about it, so is our our anti-hero, Kurt Russell. He doesn't have a love interest. And usually in these kind of films, there's always the damsel, right? But he doesn't – Adrian Barbeau is is devoted to the Harry Dean Stanton character known as brain or the brain.
1: Yeah, I thought that was actually the way – they developed the, any kind of romantic attachments i thought they did that really really well i like yeah. the way yeah. they wrote that so. i did too they've yeah. recruited snake go
0: ahead yeah and uh he he has to navigate he's all right he's taken to a a sort of facility medical facility before he's taken before he has to fly his glider down onto the world trade center and they tell him they're going to inoculate him against various viruses and and um i don't know what else um Thing, bad things that are going on down in the city. And uh, it's an injection on both of the carotid arteries, he finds out after they inject him, with some sort of pinhead size explosion. Or, or did you get any medical uh, information out of that? I don't oh, think I did. I, you know, uh, as far
1: as... Have you read anywhere where they were thinking about doing a remake of this film?
0: Yes. And they said, All right, we can't touch it. It's an untouchable. Yeah. So they thought about a prequel.
1: I had not seen this film until just now. And one of the, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but I, I was not prepared. I was yeah. not prepared for 1981 vision of the future. Yeah. I love John Carpenter. Yeah. John Carpenter, to me, the thing is a masterpiece. It's, it's an absolute goddamn masterpiece. It's me at of a the visceral
0: things, level and I, um, I
1: love it. And he is able to do things low tech that looks so damn good. Yeah. Uh, this I mean, film, I mean, he
0: knows what to leave on the editing floor too. And that's what, one of the things I like his lean editing style too, John Carpenter.
1: So I was, a, I was a little taken aback by the, some of the look of it. Yeah. Cause I, I, maybe I can't remember back that far what <laughs> things look like, but that whole thing about where Lee Van Cleef says, it's not an explosion. It's a little pop. And all yeah. it's going to do is burst your blood vessel and you're dead. I, and that is accurate. And you'll be dead yeah, yeah. within like yeah. two yeah. seconds.
0: Yeah. And the the person, admi- the medic or what doctor administering these shots has a little sympathy for, he says, tell him because he's not going to be yeah. told at first. But that seems odd because he needs the incentive to, to actually make this work. to to go in there and not go local so uh he's told first you have 24 hours but by the time they get out there i think he has something like 20 hours or he's lost four hours and i think well that's not very fair but i guess this summit is very important because a tape has to be played why wasn't there a copy made of a cassette tape (laughs) folks? it seems unfair because
1: in the meeting with with hawk he says 24 hours there's, yeah but then when he's injected with the stuff that's gonna could potentially kill him it's like yeah less than 23 hours you're about 22 hours yeah <laughs> why because the meaning in this this tape we, we'll talk about the tape later because that bothered me too
0: okay it did okay like this is the only thing only evidence of anything and it has to do with nuclear fusion and I caught iodine I don't really know how that uh, but anyhow so they they tell snake, and, and he, there, there's a, we'll talk about the running joke for everyone he encounters. He fought in Leningrad, which is funny to me, and in Siberia. By the time this, the setting for this, there is no more USSR. But they're referencing in the future of the USSR. So that's another thing. In 91, USSR yeah. was no more. And this takes place in 97. So there's a little bit of a, a oops, didn't anticipate that. Now, good to anyone in mm. 81? You know, you, you wouldn't. So, no, so there was all of the, you know, the histrionics during the Reagan years of, you know, all of the drama. Well, I thought I thought that, well, in 81, maybe not.
1: There was talk about uh, opening up the economic landscape in Russia, but probably, I don't know. I mean, it's purely money is one thing, and then personal freedom, I guess, is something
0: else. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the terrorists, as they're called, are, are really – people who are looking out for everyone who isn't in the 1%.
1: I mean that whole speech uh, when it when uh, Air Force 1 is sort of hijacked there's a yeah. woman I, I don't even remember who played I didn't look up who played her it, it was pretty bad there's acting a, but yeah. it, it was
0: your imperialist yeah. nation were taking Festus your president
1: we're going to take you down and imperialist nation national yeah. liberation something or other now you'll now you'll know and
0: Yes. So and and so. Oh, by the way, before Donald Pleasants the POTUS enters his little red escape egg pod, he handcuffs a briefcase to himself, which ultimately only holds a couple of papers and a cassette tape. So I don't know why <laughs> he needed that big briefcase. When he could have I know. It I didn't. Pocket. I didn't see
1: any atomic codes or no. Just, just okay, nothing. You Want to know something? What funny? What? So I'm like, when I was watching the the whole pod thing, which I, I made me chuckle. I don't know why. I was like did, did they was there ever it made me want to google round pod thing attached to air force 1 is there some sort of or has there well, ever been a discussion about creating it for air force you know force in One?
0: um 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 air force 1 the movie with Harrison Ford i think that there's mention of an escape pod uh, and and our listeners can maybe correct me if i'm wrong and and that he could get out, but he can't, right? Because they've done something like abducted. I don't remember that one very well. I didn't prepare for your okay, first it. Okay, it says but no. Yeah. There
1: isn't. <laughs> thank you, Google. No, there isn't an escape pod or a parachute ramp. But the aluminum skin is fortified to withstand electromagnetic pulse from a nuclear explosion, and the plane's secure communications equipment allow it to function as a mobile command center should the United States be attacked.
0: But see but, but can you can you live through the impact too? I mean well, i, don't, I, mean, falling I don't know. falling from 30,000 feet. Thank, I don't know. Thank God.
1: What do we have a vice president for? Yeah. Thank God that the president will survive a nuclear attack. It's it's that whole uh, nobody else will, but ha-
0: good, you know, congratulations. You. God for,
1: preserve me. Good God luck preserve to you, me. All.
0: <laughs> God. Take out your umbrellas for the black rain. It's just yeah, not gonna. So, um, where are we? Where are we? So, snake has well, snake
1: flying and the, the the visual effects.
0: Now, I don't know a lot about aeronautics, Beth, but don't you need <laughs> a lead plane for a glider? Well, Aren't, didn't didn't you see the plane towing him? Oh, I guess I missed that. I must have looked away. Yeah, and I do know they got a real a real glider in there. They use special effects because you know, obviously. That would be impossible, and they would need a bigger budget. But they did get somebody to fly a glider, and I don't know what they used as as the landing for that. Well, they the, the it landed glider. on.
1: It shows it, you know, sort of navigating through New York City.
0: Yeah, no. in, in in a very close area of buildings, pretty low down with these wide wings. So I I don't know. But we we believe snake can do that.
1: I I was having a hard
0: time. I, I mean, it was sort Wouldn't of. Just you need thrusters to uh, or the building and go completely straight up? Um, vertically? I, I was thinking I it would think. have to turn
1: an angle. And how does it? How is Bank it catching in. updraft? How is it catching updraft? Because as it's that's what I didn't understand. As yeah. it's flying into New York City, like okay, to yes. get to the top of the World Trade Center, you have to catch updraft where's that updraft coming from and,
0: and how would Snake it was very that? bizarre no but yeah uh, so but, he's he's he he also uh he has to pick the tallest place and world trade center top and then he's told he's to um what is it he has to take the elevator down to the 50th 50th floor and then walk yes. the rest of the way down didn't quite understand that except there's maybe some sort of supplemental or reserve energy for the elevator at least that far down well
1: Hawk tells him, you guys, you're going to land on, on top of the World Trade Center. You're going to use the there's, – there's actually a, a service elevator that we use to infiltrate the prison, yeah. meaning Manhattan.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. You're
1: going to go down to the 50th floor. I've been, I've been in the World Trade Center and mm-hmm. to the 50th floor. Uh, yeah. which I, Is that where the observation deck was? I hate even saying that. But, yeah, the, there, we, we didn't go to the very, very top. We went to the highest observation deck and yep. looked out but he says that you get down to the 50th floor and then you're on your own so in other words he's got to go down 50 down 50 flights yeah. stairs to get yeah. to the ground
0: and let me just mention that prior to this when he's getting his, his uh, carotid uh explosive injections <laughs> he's wearing a leather jacket at first and and this is like taking off your shirt if you're the, the showgirl he's in top form Kurt Russell. So he takes off that leather jacket and you see his guns and his, you know, he's fit and he'd have to be fit. Wouldn't he getting down those 50 floors and, and doing everything he does.
1: You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because this is two, two, three generations before we have these sort of a celebrity fitness specialists that yeah. go and get paid lots of money to like make Chris Pratt look like a, a hunk. Yeah. And and look really cut and fit for yeah. uh, and and his his body looks incredibly fit, uh, well developed musculature, not ballooned, you know, not. And not that was all method crazy. because there,
0: there was some early teaser footage, I guess, where he was still wearing the camo and and stuff like that, and he was pretty scrawny in the in the teaser. So he he built himself up for the for the real deal for the role. Just physic-
1: physically, he looks normal. Yeah. He looks like he's definitely been, put on probably about twenty pounds. Well, maybe not twenty yeah. pounds, but another probably ten pounds. He's spelt but
0: lean muscle, yeah. I guess you'd call it.
1: Yeah, not not in terms of physique, not like a Stallone or no, an, no, uh, no Arnold, not
0: that kind of developed. Yeah, although some things there were there were a couple of shots in silhouette with with Russell in his gun that made me think of Rambo. And and I don't know Uh, which, if this predates Rambo or not. When did Rambo come out? I'm not sure. Don't ask questions. I don't know the answer.
1: So, did you? What do you think of the landing of?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, of course, you have this very short landing strip, and these sort of stabilizers shoot out of the back of the plane. And and you get the computer saying a hundred feet to drop off, eighty feet to drop off, fifty t- feet to drop off, and of course the plane stops dead with its nose over the edge of the building to give you that vertigo shot, which was pretty good because I felt yeah that I thought that was pretty cool. It was an aerial yeah, vertigo that- shot showing the top of the glider, and he's he's not phased at all about this because he's a total badass. He messes with some sort of a fuse box or something, gets the elevator running. And he also has a special watch, I think. Is that the thing that can tell what the president's pulse and vitals are?
1: He's got one thing that tracks the president, and then he's got another, like, a a tracker on him. It's it's got his watch, but it's also a tracker for him.
0: Right. He um, he can be traced anywhere in the city, and he can also find the president with with these gadgets. With a – he gets – go ahead. Uh, Let's uh, (laughs) – I I thought there were a lot of nice little touches. Um, He he doesn't really know where to start, but he he starts walking the city, and he walks into like a burlesque. He walks up to, I guess, a a theater of some sort, and it's very vaudevillian. And I think Carpenter wrote the song, like, New York, if you stab a priest, you're on in the penitentiary. And I I don't know all the words. We'll we'll have to. That
1: was uh, uh,
0: Carpenter and, is it Castle?
1: I I think they Wrote it together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty good. I thought it was too. Yeah. And this is where we get a first glimpse. There's always the the authority on history, right? Somebody who knows things and that can can inform our hero or our gang of investigators and explain things to the audience and that sort of thing. And of all people,
1: Sam likes to call that person the resident expert in the the film. The resident
0: expert. And uh, (laughs) this comes in the form of Ernest Borgnine. Of all people. Of all people. (laughs) he's just sort of not all there. And I don't know when Poseidon adventure came out Do you. was it mid seventies. It wasn't too far. Uh, Early
1: early seven. Oh, now I need to look this up. Okay. uh,
0: 72, 72. Okay. So, you know, good nine years or eight years or whatever. And he's, he's a cabbie. He tells us often or tells the other characters often that he's been a cabbie for some 30 years and knows every street. In fact, he can, lead Snake in the right direction, meet the right people. And he informs Snake yeah. that the number one guy on this island is the Duke played by Isaac Hayes. We don't get there
1: yet because I oh. uh, remember he, because he, he they're in the theater. Yeah. And he, the Ernest Bork cabbie is yeah. the Ernest Borgnine character. He tries to start up a conversation and then uh, Kurt Russell ducks out the side of the theater and starts yeah. to go downstairs and and Cabbie comes after me because you don't want
0: to go down there and, and it's I, pretty I, bad I have to say even by today's standards
1: I think we kind of get a taste of just how bad it is and yeah. and there's that the first thing we see is is it looks like three men
0: but gang I don't raping know if that somebody
1: or just throwing a gang raping are they is it a woman or. Are the gang raping him, or is it a corpse, and they're just – because they're, well, they're taking oh, clothes off, Oh, right? Right?
0: I hadn't thought about a corpse. A man, a woman, or a corpse. The whole island is filled with malfeasance, which is what <laughs> – And Ms. Those were criminals. So uh, if there is no law and order, and it's all anarchy, so, so it's not a crime, I guess. And yeah. then, aha, uh-huh, he sees the backside of, of somebody – with the special presidential vital signs watch, I think it it was 1981. So I think it was the swatch version, the swatch version of of the techno futuristic (laughs) watch. And lo and behold, it's, it's just somebody uh, half crazed who, who before we see him, he's he's getting the hell beaten out of him, is he? Or was that just somebody else getting repeatedly? It was pretty, it was really violent. Yeah.
1: I mean, and we're hearing like, I don't, I don't know what special effects did. I don't know if they put like a slab of, Meat there, or something, so that it would sound like the the sound of
0: uh that sounds a like carpenter. Uh, you you would really take the. <laughs> I know I know when we get to another scene that, that yeah you you take the blow, but you you put something there.
1: Oh, to make it make it look and sound authentic, yeah. and it did. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't it
0: wasn't the president. Yeah, so it wasn't just Foley doing little things with uh, b- baseball bats. I mean, they had something. Yeah, the poor so- bum. The poor bum goes.
1: I've been the president since I put this thing, or since I woke up. What did he say? <laughs> I
2: woke like, up with this, president.
0: and I'm the president. And uh, he's so uh, pleased. And then what? Do we get to the uh, chock full of nuts somehow? Or No, no. Yeah. Uh, Snake walks outside, like, ah, oh, this is a dead end. Okay. And finds a, an abandoned chair. Is that? Mm? I, th- I, th-
1: I don't know. Did, did Gabby... Did Cabby drive him a little bit and then dump him off? I'm not. No. Cabby saves him later.
0: Yeah. Does Cabby ditch him? Why is it that I can't remember that? I can't either. Is there a black hole there in my head? Maybe. But he he just sort of sits on the street to think. And and he uh, Carpenter does oh, no. this a lot where. What? I remember.
1: That's when he actually finds the plane. He walks out of the theater and eventually oh, yeah. he finds the, uh, the carcass he, of the plane.
0: He checks Which is an
1: actual plane.
0: Yeah. When, where'd they bring they that purchase? in from? I have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bought a plane, a bridge, some other things we'll get to. Broke but it in like six pieces, but it looked cool. It did. It, it looked did. really cool. It did. So he spent he his can. six million wisely, I think. He did. And and used those helicopters was, for everything they were worth. There's a helicopter in most scenes.
1: You know, they, they filmed it in St. Louis. Because they wanted to save money from, you know, spending money in New York City. And then they, they I think that plane carcass, I like to pl- call it the plane carcass. I, I do too. I think it was somewhere, they purchased it somewhere in the
0: Midwest. There's <laughs> all yeah. kinds of weird crap laying yeah. around in the <laughs> They They thought about a back lot too, but they really wanted that post-apocalyptic look and I guess the scout, I forget his name, found the perfect location in St. Louis. You know, they'd had a huge fire, all these burned out buildings. Since Carpenter shot at night, he could sort of cheat the angle a bit and uh, and they put burnt out cars there. And why, why is this always the case? But barrels that are on fire. And, <laughs> you know, why is there always that? That why just are there says. about always it all. barrels on fire. Like who lights those? I don't know. And um, apparently it was very hot too during that the filming of that. <laughs> Let's light some barrels on fire at 100 yeah. degrees. Yeah, it, it but, um, was, Didn't we that, used to it, say it, Saint Louis, or, or is that has that changed? Me
1: in Saint Louis, Louis.
0: I don't, I don't <laughs> even know even how the song goes. Me, me oh, I and can't sing. Louis like. is that Elizabeth Taylor? Yeah, no, that is Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. Very similar. No, yeah, not uh-huh. not at all <laughs> not, not not a bit alike. So so um so yeah, uh, snake. Sits down on a chair and you, you get this funny. and he's like, you know, just trying to figure it out because he's got the whole of Manhattan. How am I going to find the president? And how many hours does he have left now? Like 18 hours before his little carotid uh, explosives go off. And, and Was that a lawn chair? It just felt like he was. It looked like a diner chair, like for a dinette okay. set in the 50s in your personal kitchen. You know, the, okay. the, the, the sort of. Plastic. I felt like he should crack a beer right about there. Uh, yeah. But, Watching a but ball game. <laughs> throughout the film, Carpenter has people running in the background, which is a little bit creepy. Like just blurred out yes. and um, out of your your field of view and uh, just running. And I think Cabby, it, does, does Cabby drive by and say, get out of this neighborhood? This is where when the, no, no. We see a man opening all of the, what are those things called? Sewage uh yeah, the, uh, the manhole lids. covers. Manhole. They're covers. banging on the manhole
1: covers. Yeah,
0: and then they take off, and then, and then he he runs into a chock full of nuts. Ha uh-huh. ha! The craziers are out. Chock full of nuts diner. And oh, I didn't in- pick that up. Good 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 guess. <laughs> yeah, but I also hadn't seen the the coffee brand, and I didn't know that they had it their own shop. Did they? Chock full of nuts is really nothing to write home about. Not bad. Not bad for a. You know. I
1: just bought a big can of chocolate nuts this evening. You did. You. So you
0: still use it. Okay. It's yeah. good in a percolator or a real coffee machine.
1: It's, it's hmm. not bad. And the New York style is, yeah, you know, it's good for a change up from
0: Columbia, uh, 100% Colombian. It's a decent blend. Yeah. And that's where yeah, there's a, a young woman there who happens to be in real life, Kurt Russell's wife. And she's only credited as woman in coffee shop, I think, or something like that. W- woman in chocolate nuts in chock nuts and <laughs> they that's his real wife season Hubley. season Hubley, and she's lovely and she has that that 80s spiked hair but not super spiked if you know what i mean it's just a lot of people did that sort of cropped
1: yeah so it's sort of a circa uh ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars yeah spike and she, she's super but a little less
0: and here begins a running line throughout the movie she says, "Hey, I know you. Aren't you Snake Snake Pliskin?" Yeah, I thought you were dead. Everybody knows Snake, don't they? And we'll get into that. But but then the crazies. I think they they start to enter, and he shoots a few of them. But girl in or woman in Chalk Full of Nuts is taken through the floorboards. She's she's out. So, but she kisses yeah. him first. So I guess that's the only sort of concession to to being a a sexual being that he makes in the whole film
1: yeah uh i thought it was pretty interesting she says it's the first of the month they gotta go out and get get food and
0: got stuck there after dark
1: there is this sort of social commentary that's going on you know these are the 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 dregs of society but there's also sort of a it's sort of a negative connotation to people that maybe are unemployed, and the first of the month everybody goes crazy because they get their quote unquote benefits or whatever. So I don't yeah. know what commentary like is. Is that a social commentary that Carpenter is <laughs> trying to make? Or hello, Jose? Yeah. That's my <laughs> recording. In my, hello, hello. You know, I'm recording in Jose's bedroom. <laughs> no. Um, but I do Terrible. wonder if he's trying, is he, I don't think he's trying to make a negative comment. I think he's trying to make a comment how, you know, socially we we tend to toss certain groups of people away or disregard yeah. them.
0: Yeah. And by all accounts, you know, during the time this was conceived and, and you know, after that and before that with assault on, on Precinct 13, you really have a crime ridden kind of world where, where everything is just falling apart into anarchy. And he, he sort of moves that few steps forward with escape from New York, I think. And you had some films like a mega man and soylent green, which were commentaries on, you know, how we're, you know, Overexploiting the the earth and moving beyond its carrying capacity and just ruining everything. Also, I think it implied uh, cannibalism
1: from the 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 uh, yeah. sewer dwellers
0: and, and and they were very reminiscent in the in their game She says of they're zombies. hungry. They're hungry. So I guess they are, <laughs> uh, but they aren't classified as zombies. But of course, you think of zombies when you when you see them loping along the streets in the way they do. Yeah, uh, I immediately thought of. Uh... Cannibals. So. Yeah, and uh, I, I believe that's when Cabby makes an appearance again and says, "Get in." The day yes, is not that's
1: Cabbie. Cabbie saves yeah. saves his ass. And I wanted to mention that James Cameron actually borrowed that. I thought you know Carpenter's so good with those low tech effects. Yeah, when girl in Chocolate Nuts gets pulled down through the floor. Yeah, he borrows that for. Uh, Cameron says he borrowed that for Aliens. When um Bill, help me, help me, help me.
0: Paxton, or is it the other Bill? Paxton.
1: Okay. No, it's not Bill Pullman. It's Bill. Is it Paxton? Paxton.
0: Oh, now I get them confused. God, one of them is missed. It's Paxton, right? Yeah, I want to say Paxton. Yeah, it's Bill Paxton. And if we're wrong, folks, it's Pullman. Hicks. 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 That's uh, and Harry Dean was in that too. So that so I think that whole crew impressed James Cameron. Harry
1: Dean was in Alien. Uh, oh, that's Bill, right. Yeah, Bill, in, yeah, Bill uh, Paxton, yeah. and he played Corporal Hicks. And there's that scene that scene he gets kind of pulled down through the floor, yeah. and he's just shooting. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameron says he kind of borrowed that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, so but, cool. but but this dystopia was, you know, kind of rife in the seventies with 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 those kind of films like Soylent Green, and then I guess we couldn't take it as as a species in in our nation. And went more towards Star Wars and E.T. and Raiders and, you know, less preachy fare, I suppose. And here's Escape from New York saying, no, I'm same year as Raiders here, but I'm going with, Mm -hmm. with this theme, which was unique and dark and pretty prescient. I mean, he had been to New York, Carpenter had been to New York, and he'd seen the squalor before it got cleaned up. And he was also somewhat influenced by Superfly and Taxi Driver and seeing the underbelly of, of the of the Big Apple. And he said it wasn't much of a stretch to say, hey, in, in the near future, this could happen.
1: I, I think it's an interesting concept for a story. And I, I will say that there, there's a lot made about the, the crime in the 70s yeah. in New York City all the way up through the 80s until yeah. – until Disney went in and bought up everything.
0: Disney, okay. <laughs> essentially,
1: that's essentially what ha- – that's definitely yeah. what well revived Broadway.
0: And, and also trash everywhere and, you know, just not a very green place until, until later on. And and certainly there were different sections of town, right, that were the, the wealthier and the, the abjectly poor. I'm trying to look for the name of – or the uh, author of the novel. There's a novel tie-in to Escape from New York that gives
2: I- – uh, oh, didn't really
0: detailed backstories about the war, World War III, and uh, Lee Van Cleef's character, uh, Hawk's, uh involvement with that, and Snake's involvement with that, and how the prison ideology came into being. And it made me want to read it, uh, reading about this novel. It's apparently well-written.
1: Was it written before, or was it something that was written, sort of inspired by the film? It was inspired that, that by has the has film. So uh,
0: it was oh, uh, Escape from New York, Mike McQuay. Let's see. Publisher Bantam, And that was released the same year. And for a cool $63.95, you can get it out of print, I guess. With double checking, Carpenter was born in Carthage, New York. Okay. So. So is I, I don't know where in the great state of New York that is. Is it uh, up, down? I, I think Carthage maybe?
1: is uh, upstate. Let me double check. Yeah, it's upstate.
0: Upstate, New York. Uh, the book, based on the film, weighs 3.2 ounces. Tell your friends. <laughs> because because I always weigh my books <laughs> <laughs> and the blurb here is 1997 New need York to. City is a maximum security prison the master criminals mission to rescue the captive US president and that's pretty much the plot that's the plot but yeah. i i just think it's so lovely i think the warriors probably came out before that but after assault on precinct yes. 13th and uh, Thirteenth, and that's a walter hill film right Warriors? The
1: Warriors yeah. is great, and I would love to do that film sometime. Yeah. I, I think a couple of other podcasts have done it, but I would love to do The Warriors.
0: I, I love do a deep dive looking the Warriors. at posters and shots of The Warriors. They look pretty clean cut. <laughs> like That's what, well, that's what you wear to school uh, nowadays. But. The Warriors sort
1: of sets the tone. It, it, it is, as an, an historical document, Yeah, it is sort of exploiting what the Social concerns were about were about New York City at the time, yeah. and then yeah. they had some problems with some violence breaking out at some of the showings for oh. the Warriors. Okay. Yeah, you don't remember that? Oh my god! Well, it came Made out in '78,
0: so I wasn't exactly you know driving or anything or getting out much. Well, I was. You didn't watch the news with your parents? <laughs> no, I was. Yeah, you know, playing certain stuff like a hippie kid, and didn't. Oh. I, I was a you know an innocent. I didn't know anything except that man came on and shuffled papers and talked. And uh, no, I wasn't a very precocious child. I just wanted to be a panther, Not you know, like the animal. <laughs> that was my... my wanted greatest. to be the black panthers? No, I didn't know anything about things like that. I just wanted to be an animal. <laughs> that was my greatest, loftiest goal that might explain some things about my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> want to be a kitty cat. I want to be a kitty cat. <laughs> Oh man, oh man. Oh so uh, so Cabby saves him and Cabby he, saves his butt. And he immediately put he's has on what's the he has one well, cassette player that de- plays old uh, descri- swing. Describe how
1: like he's trying to escape the cellar dweller. I call them cellar dwellers, but the sewer yeah. dwellers. And yes. who knows what they're gonna do to him if they they may try to um, hump him. They may, may They may do both. But I love how he gets in the back of Cabby's cab, and yeah. and there's no rush. Yeah.
0: Cabby's just yeah. it just not... sort of takes off at two miles per hour, easing into it. A uh, small oh. bit of trivia: there are two vehicles, including that cab, and we'll mention another one later that were featured as as an art display or remake at Burning Man uh, at a, during a particular Burning oh, Man session. That. Yeah, Iconic.
1: but I, I love that. Snake jumps in like we gotta get the hell out of here. And then <laughs> and he
0: just
1: lights the lights the Molotov cocktail and just casually. He's throws explaining it down this the and
0: and just lighting this. Yeah. And and gasoline is, you know, that, that's hard to come by there. And but but we're going to meet somebody who is a big deal called brain who enables yeah. this sort of thing, cars being driven and, and all that. Because there's no electricity being piped in, no natural resources or, or man-made resources being piped in. They're really left on their own. It's a survival. Yeah, And as you say, Sam, there's always
1: the resident expert. So Cabby is sort of like giving all of this. Oh, what's the word I want to use? Exposition on, on what the this exp There you go. That's the word exposition. He's giving
0: the exposition about who brain is, why brain is so important. Yeah. not through the it. the usual resident experts lines, but he he's an innocent. He's obviously a very yes, simple yes. man and chose to stay on the island as a cab driver, even though he hadn't committed a crime. I read. So now, <laughs> see, I didn't know that. I, I didn't well, that's know what that. I read. I don't know. You can't believe everything you read, but but that's one line I read. I love that concept, though. Yeah. I'm a cabbie, and I'm just gonna stay here. And he be explains it just because that's who I am, <laughs> and deep down inside, I, I'm happy doing this. And he explains the hierarchy on the island. And Snake finds out that a fellow named the Duke is head honcho, but there's no way to meet the Duke, so he's going to meet another man, who is Brain. Brain,
1: brain, oh.
0: And I had never seen Harry Dan Dean Stanton in the. He's usually the beleaguered custodian, spaceship tech, uh, not very high up in the intellectual hierarchy, but but he's yeah. considered this this mastermind who can create gasoline. In fact, there's one of those like Texas gas. <laughs> like, how does that work Pol- indoors? I don't know.
1: Derek oil, Derek? It's just. The yeah. pumping away. I had no idea what's it pumping from. I have yeah. no
0: clue. He's it he, processing the fuel? He inhabits and chooses to inhabit the New York Public Library, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I thought and, that was cool. Nice and, touch. And
0: uh, Cabbie bangs on a you know an oversized door, and this is our first introduction to lovely Adrian Barbo. Cabby uses his shoe, which I thought was. Just, yeah, I'm like, what's he doing? Oh, shoe? Okay. All, All right, I'll I go with it. Bigger sound, why not? I mean, and and you know what? There were a lot of uh, Carpenter let his actors do whatever they wanted to, so there was probably a lot of improv and work. I probably said, "I'm going to so take what, off my shoe, damn it." So what you're saying is, he's he and Cassavetti
1: sort of did the same thing, then. Yeah, because Cassavetti was was like, "You own this character now. Do yeah. what you will. Yeah. I just want to see." What, uh, it his whole thing was, "I want to see what
0: happens between." Yeah. And so Adrian Barbeau says, What do you want? And what and then the line again, hey, I know you. You're Snake Bliskin. I thought you were dead. <laughs> uh, but everyone is impressed by who he is, and, and it opens doors for him. And indeed, Adrian Barbeau slash Maggie opens that that giant door for him, and they go into some room to meet Brain, Harry Dean Stanton, wearing a, a black poet's tie around his neck and some and, long coat and a long coat the poet harry dean stanton's slash brain <laughs> and maggie was sold to him we understand in some way oh gifted gifted, gifted. by I, the duke yeah is that what it was
1: by the duke yeah it was a gift he she was a gift he yeah. you know more exposition Con, consider, for walking in
0: considering the ratio of men to women that's that's quite a gift and that that is true and she looks every bit 81, not 81 years old, but the, the vibe of <laughs> 1981. She's, she's lovely. And she's got that blush going on and the, and the hair and some sort of bohemian outfit. And in fact, the look of this is very, what would you call it, post-apocalyptic chic. It's sort of, I don't know. It's sort of slash
1: oh, Romero played mm-hmm. by Frank Doubleday went for a real sort of um, post-punk but early, early, edgy, dirty, new wave. Yes. And I, I love, we didn't talk about the Duke's costume yet, but there. I think there's some really cool touches to his look. And yeah. Kurt Russell sort of looks like the precursor to every hairband of the late 80s. Yeah.
0: And,
1: and um, we but should mention she's dressed when, sort of mm. post-Studio 51 meltdown.
0: Yes. Look <laughs> to it. Um, I I just post disco meltdown disco meltdown. And I think when we since we talked about Romero, I don't think we mentioned our first introduction to him. Before they send Snake in, a helicopter arrives on the island and some military folks or police agents, I suppose. Are there police agents? Policemen get out and it's all quiet. Romero approaches them, saunters up very catlike and says, you touch me. The president dies. You don't do what we say. The president dies. It Just the president dies. And he, he delivers yeah. his lines in such a, a an understated feline way that, that you just sort of really notice him like, who's that guy? And look him up. And he doesn't really tell anybody what they want. Do we ever? No, he doesn't. It, he, I don't know. Yeah. You
1: know, and he even says, if you don't leave, the president dies. Yeah. And, and, and they're like, he means business. And he's not sort of. Uh, in terms of physically, he's not an imposing person, but there's just something about the way. Double in fact, Dates he's very diminutive in
0: stature. He's, he's, yeah. He seems to be.
1: And N- he does just...
0: offer the for proof of life or evidence, the uh, index finger, I think, finger. Of, of the president with the presidential ring. Do we? Is there a presidential ring? I don't know. I have no idea. Is it a magic decoder ring? No. I, don't, I don't know, but I. it seems like something that a president should have maybe. but. That that's the that's the evidence. <laughs> Do and you think they're like like Obama
1: and Clinton and Bush too are out there like showing off their
0: rings? Yeah, look. Well, you know I'd ring. want a ring. I would want the ring that I could keep for later on, remembering the good times of my reign as president. I don't know, but I guess you know. In other traditions, the ring is is very important, right? In the monarchy and the papacy yes. and other other things. So, back to Snake. Snake is allowed entry into New York City Public Library, and he meets Brain. Brain is not too happy to see Snake because they left on bad terms outside. Well, yeah, that's the the big surprise reveal is that they know each other. And
1: uh, whether or not they were – I would have loved to know – I'd love to see a prequel. You know what? Don't remake this movie.
0: You can't. Give me
1: the prequel of how Snake – what Snake was doing with Brain and what Snake – uh, the heist, and you know, give us yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know that Harry Dean Stanton Brain was involved in the heist. That, that was Snake my. That's was what
0: I deduced from that conversation, but I don't know. Now I have to read. But the they were up to something, some kind of shenanigans together, and and, and, and I, I guess Brain bailed on. Snake. Yeah, and that's how Snake got it. caught. Right? Is that how it goes? Eventually,
1: but it's sort of like I, I mean. Snake is pointing the gun at him. He's gonna take him out. He's he's pissed. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, you left you hung me out to dry, basically. Yeah. So did he turn and tell on him? Whatever, but he wound up Well, I he think he got in caught
0: place. Oh, yeah. de in Delecto in criminal terms because uh Brain says something like, You were late. So he he, he took oh, off yeah. at a meeting yeah. point or something important. Uh, so saying. maybe Brain fingered fingered snake. Yeah. maybe that's what it was. He's left holding the bag of money and caught 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 and so he's on this mission and brain could never have anticipated that Lee Van Cleef with an earring in uh, <laughs> as the police commissioner commissioner Gordon that's what I think of when I hear police commissioner that that he would be thrown into onto the island and and survive. Although he must have known that, right? He's going to yeah. he, I guess he didn't think he would end up on the island. Could be. He thought he would escape. So I, I'm. Let's see. How does he turn it around here?
1: Maggie and Brain yeah. are like, no, we are we're, we're getting out. Yeah. We're getting out because we have the president, and I have a map of the 69th Street Bridge. That's that. that uh, there was a guy. He mapped out where all the mines are. Except they shot him once he got all the way across. Now how yeah. did they, how did he get them after he was shot and killed? Like how did he get the map all the way back to them? That, that that's a big hole in the plot for me. <laughs>
0: well, Brain he, that, that would is know that, right? He there. could recreate the map because he knows the everything about the city and he can create petroleum apparently from the New York uh, but, but the line is we have a
1: map because a guy made it across. He got shot and killed, but we have the map. So what did they did? The guy make the map, then come back, give the give the schematic to Brain and then go across. Make I, a duplicate, in other words, before he did it. We're going to
0: have to read the novelization to get these details. I guess we're, we're not told in the movie. We, yeah. Carpenter seems to believe that less is more. And I agree with him because you can you can think about a lot of things from simple lines. Oh, there's stuff. always plot, little plot holes here there, and there. there are but, whole uh, stories for each character, whole backstories yeah. you could create. Snake tells
1: him, he's like, well, it, pretty soon your president's not going to be any, of any use to you. Not gonna be of any use to you because this meeting.
0: <laughs> yes. The, the VP won't it's do It's I do not understand this either. This cassette tape, kids, look it up and go to a museum. And uh Snake says why not get it when he's talking to Lee Van Cleef slash Hoke, he says, Why not let the why do I care about the president? Let the vice president take on, let him die. But apparently it has to be this president to to this create, president and put an end to war. Has,
1: yeah, and he has the, the cassette in the, his possession, one which I have set.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't make big briefcase with nothing else. And this is what I mean by there are some plot holes in here that don't really make a lot of sense. And and by the way, <laughs> handcuffing a briefcase to your wrist really doesn't solve the problem. You, you can get that off pretty easily. You, you could cut his hand off. Uh, you could you could do anything, couldn't you?
1: It's sort of a back and forth when Snake meets Brain because Snake has a way off the island. And also, Snake and, knows
0: where the president is and, and how to get to him. Well, Brain knows where the president is. Oh, yeah, Brain. Snake Did I, does I say it? Snake? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And at one point, he kind of, I don't know if, if uh, Plis- Snake could hear them, but he, at one point, he's like talking to Maggie, Adrian mm-hmm. Barbeau. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how did he get here? Had to have been a glider. He couldn't have landed it anywhere. They're they're like, thinking ah. about a,
0: an alternate escape through via yeah. this glider. Yeah. Which is a scene later.
1: Which doesn't which doesn't involve the president because now they know that in less than 24, you know, less than probably 12
0: hours, it's not gonna matter. Also it it's doesn't gonna involve be nuclear deep. holocaust and all a moot point anyhow, apparently, if this cassette isn't played. Yeah, I don't know, but it,
1: uh, but it doesn't involve Duke either. No. So it's their sort of their way out.
0: And so, I, I think they care for one another very deeply as much as you can in a movie like this. And they, is this where they say, we'll take you to the Duke? Because yeah, I, I we'll think take- Maggie says something to Brain to convince him. What does she say? Because well, he has go- this knowledge. Brain doesn't quite believe the knowledge that, that Snake conveys about the president. How would he know that? And... She says he knows this. He might know more. I think we need this guy. I think
1: think basically the message I got from those two characters is uh, Brain and Maggie are going to try. They want to get off the island, and they're just going to try and leverage whatever option. I will give it to Brain. It looks like he's working on a plan B, an A, B, and C. So uh, kudos to you. He doesn't quite
0: (laughs) trust the Duke. And then is this – I think they're – where are they? They want to go to a train. Yeah, which, the rail yard. Of all the places in New York, I don't know why the Duke sets up there. You, you could have a, a penthouse or any building I th- in I New think York. It had, I think it had
1: to do with the location in St. Louis okay. because that area was burned out. They had the whole train yard at their disposal it looks as cool. well as the train, as well as Union the Union Station right there. Yeah. Which is where the big fight scene is that's coming up. Yeah. Is it supposed so to be Madison whole,
0: Square Garden? I'm trying to understand No, you was you're supposed, supposed
1: to be. You're supposed to think that's Grand Central, I guess. Oh, okay. That okay. train station.
0: Yeah. That's right.
1: But I have here in my notes, <laughs> as they're on their way to go find where Duke is, and the president might be,
0: is station wagon chase. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! the The rebarred station wagon of all the, of all the muscle cars in all the world. There has
1: never been a more perfect symbol of the end of the seventies.
0: It it is the station wagon, and it's got the station bars on, wagon. This glass is not worth anything in this situation and uh the crazies as they call them we know that's not okay these days but that's their designation in this film these these night dwellers possible yeah. cannibals and uh they throw or is that another gang there's some some turf war stuff that Oh yeah there's multiple gangs you're yeah. supposed
1: to think there's multiple sort of like uh in the warriors yeah different turfs different sort of proclivities as far as criminal activity yeah yeah definitely
0: and uh, and they plow through very not very quickly but they they get through one gang who who wants them and they come across a barrier this barricade of cars stacked <laughs> one, one on top of the other kurt russell r- turns the station wagon ag- around and says hold on and i don't know how if he how he knows that or i don't even think this is physically possible right well, i don't um, think the it's stumps- possible but it
1: looked it, <laughs> it looked did. cool
0: it did it did <laughs> He 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 accelerates backwards through this very tall barricade of burnt out cars, and he does just a makes a little hole and and just yeah, Jay turn right on the spot and he does and a little, and then smashes into it. I think first they see the cruiser. Right, he has sort of an entourage, and the Duke drives an old Caddy. I'm not sure which year. And has some unique features, doesn't it? We see it crawling at a glacial pace through the streets. Before. Yeah, that's that's yeah.
1: how they obtain the, the station wagon. That's how they That actually happens before that big
0: crash. That's, oh, oh, we should have mentioned the unique uh, yeah. lighting arrangement for the Cadillac, maybe. Um, yeah, it's a <laughs>
1: chandelier on either side of the... Yeah,
0: but... so it's a, I think it's a special edition Cadillac. And it has that thing that was popular back then. What is that called? You know, where you can hike it up. And then lower oh, just, it the whole on oh, some the pneumatic
1: Yeah. Of the thing. low the low rider thing, but sort of in yeah. reverse. Do
0: we see Duke now? Yeah, I think, I, we, I think do. we just see one of his henchmen, but we we, we yeah. do we get it and he has a disco ball hanging from the and it looks like a an actual size one. Like it's big. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, no, it's that that is Duke's car. The yeah. one with the chandeliers is Duke's car. They steal one of the the henchmen's car, the, the station yes. wagon.
0: And, and I guess he he goes on progress throughout Manhattan to to establish his I don't know what
1: his, his dominance his dominance
0: <laughs> in this in this realm you know visibility portrayed by Isaac Hayes by the way Isaac Hayes uh, I did want to ask you did did Isaac Hayes also do a voice over in what what was it South Park or was that somebody else uh, Chef was that was that Isaac Hayes make that sweet love Isaac to you Hayes. down by the fire uh, that one. I've only seen like two episodes. Uh, Salty balls? I've only seen a maximum of two episodes.
1: chocolate salty balls?
0: I just want an answer. Was that Isaac Hayes? (laughs) I believe that (laughs) was. Not salty balls. Just want to know.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Take
0: them in your mouth and suck them.
1: Okay. Okay. In your mouth and suck
0: them. Okay. I do remember the (laughs) alien abduction episode. That's one of the ones I saw and it was fantastically awful but wonderful (laughs) so anyhow the great Isaac Hayes is in this and I wondered why he wasn't well you know when it comes to music John Carpenter isn't going to give it up for anybody Isaac Hayes of course did some wonderful music in the 70s and in particular for films like Shaft but it's got that a -a, a, a very different sound from, from John Carpenter's futuristic synth they set off to go find Duke they, they wind up getting there in the car. The Duke is scandalized that but but again, he gets the line, "Hey, I know you. It's Snake Pliz. I thought you were dead." And this I yeah. you know, everyone who meets him says this. And the Duke is playing around with Potus with Donald Pleasance and, and his character, President of the United States. That doesn't even happen yet. They get, they get they get to the train. The brain and Maggie
1: are supposed to distract the guards yep. while Snake gets on the train. And he's just about to escape when they, and he gets the president and they get outside the boxcar and then up, uh, up shows Duke. And Duke is, as far as Duke's costuming, he's, he's sort of like post funkadelic apocalypse look to him. Also disco
0: meltdown cool. because of the disco ball and all that. We just created a new term, disco, disco meltdown.
1: meltdown. Yeah. Past apocalyptic disco meltdown. P-A-D-M. Uh, then Snake comes to... Because he did get shot
0: with an arrow. So Snake comes to And and Duke and wants to kill him, by the way. It's Maggie and Brain who say, You need him. Trust us. You need yeah. this guy. You need to, you, you need, need him step. alive if you want to make it out with this with this gambit we have.
1: Yeah, and that's when the the target practice is happening. you you see Snake, but then you hear BAM, BAM. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yeah, they have uh they have Donald Pleasant slash Mr. President up against the wall. And the Duke is shooting from I don't know what distance around him, like he would throw knives at, at the yeah. I don't know what to show, but uh, you know, aiming all around his body, and and he looks completely miserable. <laughs> Donald Pleasance does a good do- job of portraying that. And how does he get out of that bind? I'm trying to think. He's shooting at him, and at one point he shoots the the
1: suitcase, and yes. then the uh, president's uh, life watch life swatch falls down. Yeah. And it's dead signal and that, that actually sends the signal back to
0: the oh, control no. center. I think you're with, a little premature. I, I think he during the boxing scene, he sees another watch that does the tracer. Oh yeah, but you're right. The no, life no, no, signal, no. He's, the the, he's, the he's, vitals. Yes. Him sending the
1: tracer was actually, hey, that snake and he's moving. But the first signal was the life signs go dead. That was when he yeah. was shooting at him and shoots the suitcase. Yes. But I, I want to make a comment about, yeah. he's like, we're going in, Hawk's like, we're going in. And then you see the uh, what looks like it's supposed to be some sort of tarmac.
0: Yeah.
1: And the buildings and the, the crisscross running. Yeah. The Loping,
0: really. Casually running. <laughs> really
1: <laughs> I'm important
0: like, mission. So because if something really was happening, they would just run right into each other. Uh, So we get cutbacks to to police headquarters and they think, you know, something's happened to the president. But I think somebody says, wait, wait, give him a chance. We don't know what happened. Something could have happened to the the device itself. It could have uh, some sort of impact. Uh, event could have happened and the president could still be alive i don't know what uh, they're going to do after they gear up and go down into if the president is dead i guess they want that cassette tape because when the duke is shooting at donald pleasant slash units uh, president of the united states his briefcase which is still handcuffed to his arm falls open romero saunters up in his cat-like way picks up the cassette and you think he might destroy it but he pockets it
1: this all-important cassette tape
0: yes every Everything the world, the existence of humanity depends on something about nuclear fusion. But we go from that scene to
1: the big gladiator brawl inside the, the train station.
0: Yes. And and he's already been shot with the arrow. So he's he's not doing very well. But everybody who's guarding him says, I, I know you, you're snake and I we thought you were dead. And he's brought into the ring as somebody else is being brought away and has died in there. It's sort of two men into one man leave kind of deal. Very mad. yeah like this scene that was beyond the th- Thunderdome. Yeah. So so you have a real pro wrestler that they got in the John Docs, Carpenter Rock Speaker. Yes, and what is he called in this slag or something? I think. I- don't remember, and he's actually. a beast he's he's a very very intimidating looking guy and snake looks like a a, a child next to him and an enormous a, man an enormous man and they go at it i guess there are different for each round things that they can do like a baseball bat and then a baseball yeah. bat with nails in it and a shield and they throw punches but somehow snake gets the better of him right
1: yeah well in the meantime while he's doing this I gotta say, for, Maggie and Brain are pretty, pretty much do whatever their decisions are. They do kind of come down on Snake's side. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to free the president, and they do free the president.
0: And and they save his life by convincing no, the Duke that you know you yeah. need this guy. So I don't know and what. The... He, he, and uh, Brain is no uh, softy. I
1: mean, he he takes out Romero while they're trying to rescue Donald Pleasance, President oh. Donald Pleasance in his blonde wig. Which was Donald Pleasance's idea, by the way.
0: I love that he he sort of looks like Alfred Hitchcock in drag, or I don't know what. But it, well, he's Donald Pleasance, and but the well, first thing he does is not attend tend to his wrists or his wounds or anything, but takes the wig off. Here. That was his idea.
1: Like uh, this is the way they would humiliate him, you know, make him girly man or whatever. Yeah, yeah. As they're escaping, they get noticed by one of the other henchmen. And then you, you see in the middle of that bout, and, and the timing is interesting because just as Kurt Russell gets the upper hand, just as Snake gets the upper hand, mm. is when the guy whispers in Duke's ears like, they're, you know, president's gone. He's been taken.
0: Oh, yeah. But but you asked earlier in the movie if, if they had used a piece of meat or something for wailing on this poor guy who, who's been yeah. beaten a snake. Um, I did read that for this scene when kurt russell takes the bat to the back of what's his name ox's head uh, Ox they did paper. really use some padding and and various objects and he had been kind of a, an asshole during the shooting and was a little bit nervous when kurt russell was really going to wail on him with this bat and hoping that the padding would would hold up so but yeah.
1: yeah both kurt russell and kurt russell stuntman for this see, these scenes yeah that when the stuntman was in and, and it was time for Kurt Russell to get in there so they could get some closer, close-up shots that really showed that it was Kurt Russell, right? Yeah. <laughs> the man is quoted as saying, good luck yeah, to Kurt luck. Russell as he gets in there. <laughs> so they were both kind of tossed around by him, by Yeah. Max Baker. When yeah. He, that was a real bat with real nails in it.
0: Yes, it was. And all right. You know, thank thank goodness because I'm over CGI. I, I, I like this this method so he takes him out though and and that's a a money shot scene not literally but uh, but he sees one of the personnel for the boxing ring has this tracer watch on yeah he leaps over activates it so so just as as on the other side Hauk is about to send in the troops right i don't know what they're gonna do do you I
1: don't know what they. I, to I don't do. know what they're going to do because th- that would definitely seal the president's fate. They're just going to kill mm. him then. But
0: or, or would they find the tape? He's running all, out the bunk, all the important down. Yeah. Stand down. Stand down. Down down. Down down. Down 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 down. down.
1: <laughs> the good side gag in this is uh, they take off to go find the president and to find Bray and Maggie because they realize, oh no, he's escaped, yeah. and the whole building clears out. And Snake's just standing there in the middle <laughs> of the <laughs> ring. Like, okay, they all just left and forget about, forgot about me, which I thought
0: was pretty funny. That, that was funny. But uh, what, let's see. He, he wants to get up to his glider with the president. All right. And, and, and Brain so do, and Maggie, so
1: Maggie and but, but Brain. But they,
0: they, they take off before him. They're going to leave him again high and dry. Uh, they get up there somehow to whatever, how many floors are there on that thing?
1: Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. But uh, they uh, walk
0: into the lobby of the world tr- of one of the towers and and see I I don't know what that is a Yugo or something. This little car, and he somehow knows that's uh uh oh. I bet that's Brain's car, and they haul right. to the top, which would be a bit of a that's quite the workout. And I don't know who's yeah. up there assaulting Brain and Maggie. Are those the crazies, the night dwellers, sewer dwellers? something
1: really horrible. And but at one point, I guess in the script, Carpenter had wanted to have different factions, like really accentuate, and
0: yeah. uh, one of the groups that would have been in prison would have been Native American. That's people. right. He says the, there's nothing worse people. than the redmen, or something like that. No,
1: he actually uses "God damn you, Redskins!" That's Redskins, what he says. That's I right. Put it in quotes. Yeah. Brain says "God damn you, Redskins!" So I think they just kind of left that in there.
0: Well, well, it wasn't uh, on our radar um, collectively. It it wasn't,
1: no, it wasn't, not the awareness that we have now. But I also think that Carpenter was envisioning this as sort of a futuristic Western.
0: Yes. In a way. Yeah.
1: So I I think he just sort of left that in there deliberately.
0: That's an interesting insight because we'd talked about it being a a kind of post-apocalyptic urban Western somehow, spaghetti Western, and and yeah, yeah, cowboys and Indians. And I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. But
1: Carpenter's very politically aware so it would have been a, a sort of a way of saying that we've, this is what we've done to uh, indigenous yeah. Americans. We've Now, put them now he all swears up settle. and
0: down in, in one article or another that, that it's not a politically motivated film. Well bullshit come on John. I think thats come bullshit. on, John.
1: There's too much too much you know th- think about this. Snake is a war hero yeah a decorated war hero who's turned to crime. Robbing banks. Disillusioned So he's a veteran, and they're going to send him to this horror, the worst, worst possible prison they could send him to. And it just so happens that we have Indigenous Americans inside of this federal penitentiary, too. So he is... Saying something political like we're, we're treating people that have served our country, people who who belong here, who have been been here, settled this land, you know, hundred, you know, generations and generations before we ever got here, the white man got here. This is what we do to these folks. Uh, so I don't. I think you're right, Sam. That's bullshit. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so and, and he does admit He's that that Watergate worked. inspired the st- script before it ever saw light of day. So it, come on, Johnny. Fess up. Be honest, John. Be honest. But everyone's fighting over the glider, and somebody takes out one of these – what would you call that? One of these pegs that's holding it there onto the top of the building, and off it careens uh, down the side of the building. So nobody gets to use the glider. Uh Uh-oh. Back to plan A, which is to navigate the 69th Street – I have a question for you. You know, the song by Simon and Garfunkel called feeling groovy. It has an alternate title. And is it the 59th street bridge song or the 69th street bridge? Song? Oh, Slow I don't down, know. You move too fast. You've got to make. Oh, okay. Just. Mm-hmm. It longer, feeling groovy. But I think well, I, I, the- I have a feeling. It- I, I think that there were probably a lot of inside winks to New Yorkers in this film okay, that, that okay. just flew over my head because okay. uh, I'm, I'm not a, a city dweller there uh they they decide this is the you know the denouement of the thing and brain can navigate the bridge or, or the minds yep. on the bridge yes
1: they can't get that car started but who shows up in the nick of time
0: i'm not sure who. cabby oh cabby that's right ernest, cabby ernest Borgnine. that's pulls right up
1: to God take that. him across the 69th it, street it, bridge
0: yes and you have Harry Dean Stanton slash brain and and Maggie in the back and and Harry's screaming out, cut right, cut left, cut right, other right. You know, just, you know, building tension because they're also the Duke is after him with his entourage. Various members in various other cars get blown up by mines and the Duke is still still trailing them, still trailing them. What he hopes to do, I don't know because he's he's by himself at some point. Yeah. I guess he
1: thinks he's going to get the president back, and that's going to be his ticket out of there. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I think you try to be a little bit more cautious. I, I don't know, but I, he wants to catch up to
0: him. He, he does, and they're doing okay on, uh, you know, navigating through this minefield on the bridge. And then lo, the 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 cab hits one of these mines, and it's severed right in half.
1: It is cool how the the cab gets sliced in half. Yeah, snake kind of comes around and then the 3 in the back which is the president maggie and brain they climb out of the back that's right yeah and then snake looks over and cabby cabby died yeah you know trying to and cabby was yelling at snake like you know slow down slow down and brain was yeah. yelling at him like go left, left go run. right but actually yeah. they start to run because here you know duke is st- the duke is still coming and brain i think gets it wrong doesn't he he does he
0: says go go left and you're idiots you got to go left and and they're going right running across the bridge brain goes left because by his estimation that's where a mine should be and he hits one of those mines he just steps right into it and is blown up in the air and lands on a deserted car and this adrian barbeau slash maggie she just can't believe it brain brain it was a
1: I, I thought that, that was a really that was just really good acting and a good uh, yeah. direct directorial move is like let's have this really still moment where Snake is just sort of relating to Maggie with some humanity. Yes. He's like, Maggie, we gotta go. And you his gotta... time is
0: really running out, like ten yeah. minutes left before his karate yeah. he, research. Are...
1: He's stopping for her to, to to tell her, like, come on, he's mm-hmm. gone. He's dead, Maggie. We gotta go. And he doesn't know this woman from Adam, but he's he's just like so. Let so it go. that is
0: a heroic moment there. He's very self-serving Definitely. otherwise, and that's a heroic moment. She makes it clear that she's going to stay with Brain, and and she he gives her the gun, and and she's she doesn't ask him for it's just a look, isn't it? It's just a look. It's all tacitly does she, conveyed. Does she stick her hand out or anything? It's, it's I think really he hands cool it. Uh, I think it's just understood. I'm staying here with him, and I'm going to cover you as much as I can. I'm I'm sacrificing myself. And the Duke is is approaching quickly in his Cadillac. I don't know what, how he doesn't hit any mines, but she shoots at him, I think, from too far away and then closer and closer, and he finally just smashes into her. We have a bit of yeah. trivia about that, don't we? Uh, yeah,
1: that's a very cool piece of trivia.
0: Yeah, uh, and we cut back to, to the others who have s- sort of seen this. Uh, we know that, that Maggie is dead, and we see a cutaway to her, but... In the original cut of the film, they didn't show the death shot. I guess proof of death, yeah. and felt that audience members would would not really understand if she was really dead or not. And so John Carpenter and Adrian Barbeau shot that death scene in their garage, I believe, to, <laughs> to insert. Yeah, he when they were going through the cut for the film,
1: it's like, oh, I never shot Maggie dead. Yeah.
0: Would think that you would and it would be ambiguous death. like it's implied
1: death? i don't know that i just thought that was a really cool scene it kind of tells you what brain meant to maggie to she cared about him yeah but there was a, that humanity between um maggie and snake it was yeah. just a cool scene and a yeah. cool cool death i guess and, if you wanted and, to rank and it deaths.
0: was and it was a pretty nice matchup i i didn't see anything out of sync with, no it was good for that cutaway and I uh, that was done that was really well good. And we've got what, like four minutes. He needs to get the president over that wall. And here's Donald Donald Pleasance's big I, Duke is still after them, right? Still after them. Yep. He's he's on foot now. They lower from the the police lower this this sort of uh, rope down for for Donald Pleasance slash the president to get up. And then stop the rope when Snake is supposed to get up. And he's thinking, oh, my God, I was double crossed. He's got like two minutes before this thing is going to blow his arteries. And here we have Donald Pleasants picking up a gun and just mowing down the Duke. No,
1: a number. What is it?
0: Oh, that's right. In an earlier scene, Duke is mocking the president and says, who am I? Who am I? The A number one. I'm the Duke of New York. You are nothing. You know, just emotionally and physically abusing him as much as possible. So this is his revenge because he has been humiliated by the Duke and he just plows through him, then lowers the rope. I don't know why both couldn't be done if they've got the whole U.S. police force, but that's his his crazy gun moment.
1: His crazy gun moment. And I do think there is some, he could say it's, there's no social commentary, but I think there's a lot of symbolism there yeah. a white man and a black man fighting each other for a way oh, to survive. Mm, okay. And then here's the president and he's just, um, I think that was pure emotion. Se, I, I
0: wouldn't, I wouldn't racialize that one.
1: Sea. Yeah. But powers that be, and he's just blowing black men away.
0: I, I think he's just cracked at this point. He's a weak man to begin with. May God save me from Air Force One, and, and, and there was no question of they, they were all white men. He's just a, a self-bling <laughs> asshole. And, it really
1: struck me the second time I watched it. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I know, and I know he's supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah, but he's just be, weak from from someone like his. That president, okay, from someone like the character that Pleasance is portraying, yeah, is there any difference to him? Like, why would he even bother saving the one guy versus the other guy? I don't know. I just think he regards him as pretty much the same, except that that was the deal. Well, he does does
0: trust Snake by this time. Snake has has saved his hide. So he's going to let—and Hauk is up top, too. They're ready with the medical team, right, to zap out the— The explosives in his neck.
1: To Hawk's credit. Yeah.
0: And he was saying, I'm going to kill you. And this is all over with, I'm going to kill you.
1: Yeah. And I do think there is something about about that because they get over the wall. Snake is scrambling to the medical van.
2: Yeah.
1: They won't x-ray or or zap those artery pills that they injected him with.
0: I think how many seconds or minutes they're really getting down to the wire as far as his neck explosives go I,
1: I timed I timed it and they actually did the whole thing like in a little over like 8 minutes when he looks at his watch and he, he's like yeah. 20 minutes it it actually from then to the end it was like Probably roughly 10 minutes, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, 10
0: minutes in the film. So I, I was wondering if they matched the actual time. It seemed longer than the. But Hawk um, wants the tape before yes. he gets zapped. Snake gives Hawk a, a withering look like, are you kidding me? I just delivered the present, but he gives him the tape and the med guy medic comes right up and just puts two little pieces of metal on the side of either side of his neck and shh, that's it. They're deactivated. Neutralized. Neutralized. That's it. That's it. And uh, is it at this point that Hauk says, are you here? Are you going to kill me now? Or no, we have a cutaway to the president. Yes.
1: Yeah, that was that was an interesting speech.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, there's an absurd uh, he, shaving scene before that, I guess. Yeah. Before he's actually yeah. on. And, and he's go got, on I don't know how many people it takes to shave a man's face, but but there are at least three of them in there. And he's got this really tiny little uh, compact mirror that he's admiring himself with. And Snake asks him an important question in his mind because we don't know how what snake's thoughts are throughout this other than survival. He says a lot of people died getting you back here. What do mm-hmm. you think of that? And he says some platitude, they died in the service of their country and thanks, but doesn't sell it at all. Doesn't it's he, not heartfelt. He doesn't yeah, he just
1: seems so devoid of any kind of feeling yeah. or compassion for the fact that these people died in service to their country. Yeah. By saving his lousy ass.
0: <laughs> so. and, and that settles something in Snake's mind, I I believe, that answer. We then see the president. I don't know if we're cut to Hulk or back to the president uh, and his ignominious appearance. Oh, he's leaning up against the wall. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to kill me now? <laughs> That's Hulk saying that, Lee Van Cleef. And, of course, sulky Snake says, I'm too tired. In the Clint Eastwood way. I'm not doing a good Clint Eastwood, but that's how he says it. Too tired.
1: And then Help yeah. says, "You
0: know, we'd make a pretty good team, you and I." Sequel possible sequel. Yeah, I was thinking, is that was that on purpose? Thinking of Escape from L.A.
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't know because Escape from L.A. doesn't get made till what 1997, something yeah. like that. And I, Van Cleef, I think was uh, had died, but long before then, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure of his death date. I'm not sure either. I could look it up. We have. Oh, what's the last scene? What's the last? Well, what we uh, cut back
0: to what we haven't mentioned is that Cabby throughout this entire film has this sort of swing song that is his. Maybe it's the only song on the tape. I don't know. Do you know the name of the song? I don't. It's. Not, I want to say oh. in the mood, but it's not in the mood.
1: It's yeah, it's a, a. It's
0: a. It's
1: a cassette tape of just big band songs. Big bands. Uh,
0: and big band song. the president goes to put this tape that's going to save the world into the, the player. And it's not whatever the nuclear fission thing was. It's this big band song. So Snake has swapped out the tapes. And yeah. you get the feeling that it was because of that answer the president gave him. What do you think about it? all the men who have sacrificed their lives? And and he just doesn't care. So he just looks completely embarrassed and weak and and this big band, and that's his comeuppance. And we see Snake walk away, lights a cigarette, of course, because it's yeah. cool in '81. And you see him tearing the tape out of the, the cassette. He, yeah. he destroys the only evidence or, or ability that the president has to make the world work. I don't know. And they're, they're the, talking about iodine. I'm,
1: I'm just, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. You, my... At, at some point, even Snake goes, what does iodine have to do? With it? I think even he says, says something like.
0: And, and we do get uh, a little sort of snippet of this tape earlier in Cabby's cab. They, they play unless, it to see what's going on.
1: Unless, unless what we're supposed to take from that is that they're just going to go for the nuclear option, which we, they have not. So when you talk about iodine. And exposure to radiation. Oh yeah, the so iodine maybe... tablets
0: are supposed to help in some way or give you yeah. some
1: sense of. It's supposedly they have. Maybe they have. Maybe that's what it is. It's a special type of iodine. And I'm trying. Yeah. I was trying to piece that all together so that, yeah. Maybe this this was the speech to say, hey, we mm-hmm. have the iodine that's going to help us survive, and we're going to use the nuclear option against all you other people. So maybe that that's what it was. Van yeah. Cleef uh, died in 1989, oh, so, so he easily. would not have made the. Yeah. A word about the location.
2: Yeah.
1: It was the heyday fire in the 70s. I don't know what the date was, but the heyday fire is what had burned out large chunks of St. Louis, but I didn't realize that St. Louis is a history of huge fires. There was a huge fire in 1849. Uh, was
0: it arson the, or just accidental, or what? Oh,
1: I, the heyday fire was, a, I think, of shoe factory, and it okay. caught fire, and then okay. that was in the seventies, and that's what had burned out hard sections. But there, there was a great fire back in uh, eighteen forty-nine. Um, but well, both fires were pretty bad. But that was started by a riverboat that caught fire, and wow. then it, it lit fire to the whole waterfront. So,
0: wow. yeah, but to burn out but, a whole, you know city blocks is pretty pretty drastic in the i i can see in the 19th century how everything was made of wood but in the 70s yeah. that's crazy.
1: 70s yeah burned out and scorched whole parts of mm-hmm. down and also down by the waterfront so and then i think in 2022 uh there was another big fire in st louis so
0: all right what's with, that? Sketch fire what's in with st louis
1: it's smoky hot ribs i guess, I guess.
0: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well this is a fun movie what, what yeah. were you gonna say I I um I was not able to purchase it for some reason. I had to watch it with ads, which were all about horrible diseases. Anyhow, I, I watched. How did you watch it? I watched it on
1: Pluto. Pluto and okay. Tubi both have it with ads. It wasn't too bad. I yeah. I didn't uh, suffer too much through the viewing, but I I was struggling to when you're using those apps and, and you're casting it to your TV or whatever. Yeah, it it, it it's it's frustrating when you want to rewind there's an ad that's always you know fix that I, I love the app because they have a lot of great old movies yeah and i don't mind watching ads but don't make me watch them more than once if i want to rewind yeah or yeah. fast forward or whatever yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that's that's what we get for freebies it was interesting seeing commercials again <laughs> i hadn't seen them in ages so i stream so much i just don't see commercials so yeah. i know all about the fibroid uh, treatment and-, <laughs> <laughs> and the oily discharge. So. <laughs> An oily discharge and uh, <laughs> and detergent. So, folks, I so, would wh- give this a must-watch rating. Much, must watch. You must watch this. And I, I just want to note that most of the articles, I, I, most of the sources I found when I was searching, why is this a, a cult favorite, that sort of thing, search words like that, were magazines like Esquire and GQ, which was interesting to me. Boys, Wet I I don't know. Um,
1: Mental Floss has a good article about you know thirteen or thirteen facts or twelve facts that you didn't know about uh, Escape from New York. That's a great little article. We'll
0: probably link it in the description. But uh, definitely, we'll, we'll link the video also of the the score with with John Carpenter playing and and he has a band. I always thought it was just a a multi use <laughs> Casio keyboard, but he has a whole band and and he actually got into a second career and is doing quite well. Uh, with the band. Is it called yeah. Scarebones or Barebones, something like that. And his son and godson are part of that band. Having a good time, having fun. Yeah. But I can see how this is a,
1: a cult favorite. And uh, not just for the boys. Although, oh. although all the guys we knew back then in the day, they, they loved this film. But uh, definitely a breakout film for Kurt Russell. And uh, thank God, because he's he's given us so many great memorable roles. Yeah. Uh, since this film so
0: he, he's fantastic and uh, so Tito has used him a number number of times too hasn't he yeah hateful eight hard film to watch and
1: uh and many other. oh and Wyatt Earp uh, and Wyatt Earp oh yeah Tombstone great film great film he and uh Saul Kilmer just uh, that is uh one of the great performances in the 90s one of the great movies in the 90s yeah yeah
0: well, Beth, are you watching anything else? You, you have a do you want to tell anybody about what you're doing tomorrow or anything
1: like that? or What you're watching? <laughs> I'm going to go see Dave Matthews tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Jealous, but it's uh,
0: with jealousy. uh
1: w- w- what am I watching? Not much other than what we're doing for the podcast, so uh, yeah. but I'm definitely still in the mood for summer, summer type movies, fun, this, adventuresome.
0: Yeah. Same here, and I, I was ignited. And, and just rejuvenated watching Escape from New York. and um, I, I do know why it's a cult classic. And and I'm going to buy that DVD with the extras. Hey, everyone out there, beautiful people. Uh, thank you so much for joining us wherever in time, space, or on the globe you are. We certainly appreciate you joining us. We have fun having our guests on,
1: but uh, I'm always happy when you are here with me, Sam, on the red. You're a
0: lifeline to me this week, and uh, and at all times. So I, I appreciate that, and I was ready after a trip down south to to get back to it. Watched Lonesome Dove while I was down there, so I got my Western on.
1: You <laughs> got your Western. Fantastic. On. We should do Western. Uh, we,
0: we should. Uh, I was I'm open to Westerns after watching Lonesome Dove. I would like to read it, and I'd also like to read the novelization for Escape from New York. You know New yeah. York.
1: Yes. You need New York. You know you need unique, unique York. New York. Oh, as we say, watch something different, read something new, be, be good to, to one, one another. Rather. Also, I wanted to add, we have a lot of new countries that have started. We are, we're gathering listeners from different
0: countries. Guernsey, mm-hmm. welcome yeah. aboard. Welcome aboard. 39, uh, I think that makes it.
1: Quite a few. Let me see who we have here real quick. Australia, Malta. Let's see who's new.
0: Hash my Greece. Kingdom of Jordan.
1: Hello. Uh, yes. Cyprus, thank you for hanging in there. Mm -hmm. ukraine we love you yeah ghana south korea luxembourg morocco and the czech republic just to name Uh, but just to name a few (laughs) (laughs) welcome aboard and and hang with us we
0: see you man we're here for you write us all right uh our call to action is if i can get it in i'm not sure uh if you would like to reach out to us we have an instagram presence uh, if you just look for celluloid pudding in the search bar, you'll find us there. And we'd like to put up little fun things, dioramas and and uh, teasers for what we're doing. We have a Twitter presence, uh, which is, I can never remember, cell pod, pud, pod pod. If you want it, just Google celluloid pudding. And
1: you, if you want to email us, tell us what movies you want us to do. pudding at gmail.com. We appreciate you very much. All right. Have a good night. Night night.